me a favor and turn and look someone straight in their eyes and just say one word to them? Yes. I mean, say it with some, some you know, oomph to it, some life to it. Yes. What, what a day. What a start. What a, what a powerful time. You guys are just incredible to lead us in the throne room of God. Thank you all so much for your hearts and ministry and your, your service to the kingdom of God, not just here at Connections Church, man. And thanks to our students for taking over last week and bringing it strong. Amen. Let's give them a, a hand of appreciation and thanks. And, and ushers, if you'll round up anybody that might be out there wandering around the hallways that needs to be in here, they don't want to miss this. So, so get them all, bring them in. Let's, let's get ready to buckle up and, and hit the word, right? Turn to say somebody, I'm ready. How about you? I am ready. We are in this study, and the students kicked it off last week called I Believe, and we felt strong uh, uh, to first of the year. This is what we were to walk through, and, and they took us through I Believe in Biblical Sexuality, and what a powerful time it was. If you missed it, go back and check it out, because, man, everybody needs that. And today in part two of our I Believe series, we're looking at I Believe in the Realities of Heaven and Hell. Now, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I, I missed last week, and, and they took care of the service, did a great job in, in getting ready to, uh, to bring the word. This week, I, I was trying to cover both areas in this one Sunday morning, and as the week progressed, and, and God just began to put more and more in my heart uh, for these two areas that are so crucial, so vital. I, I come to the realization early this morning it's not going to happen just this morning, so we're going to have to extend this into next Sunday in talking about the realities of heaven and hell. And I, I thought about, well, you know, I, I could put, put it like this uh, early this morning to, to the congregation, uh, sorry folks, we're not going to get to heaven. <laughs> But then, yeah, it, it hit me like that. No, don't say that. That's what we're all about, getting to heaven, right? Okay, uh, right? So I'm not going to say that. This, this week we're not going to cover all of the splendor of heaven. We're going to extend that into next Sunday. So you don't want to miss that. But, but these two destination possibilities are, are the most important thing in life, I believe. It's super popular and they are extremely misunderstood. Everybody seems to have a theory or a thought or a bunch of misconceptions on heaven and hell. So what do we do to clarify all of that? Because if you stop and did polls on the street corners or in your schools or in your offices, just ask people the question, do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? Where is that? What is that all about? What is it going to look like? You would get so many answers, it would spin your little head on your shoulders. So where do we go to find truth? To the Word of God. Man, you guys, give yourselves a hand. You're doing great. You are sharp as a tack. Now, most people accept that heaven is real. According to a, a Fox News poll, many religious and even non-religious people believe they will go there because God is a God of love. How beautiful, right? So many of these same people, however, reject that hell is real, at least, get this, for themselves. Yet, yet they reserve hell as a very real place for people who have perpetrated some of the most hideous and heinous crimes in history and have absolutely no remorse in wanting some of the most infamous criminals to go to hell. You ever heard that kind of language? Now let's stop right here and ask this question. Have you ever spoke in that way? 
Have you ever told someone, I hope you go straight to hell and don't stop at go or anything else. You just get there. Yeah, thanks for your honesty. We've all thought that probably, right? <laughs> and many of us have probably said those words. But let me ask this question. What does it reveal about people's hearts when they want someone condemned to hell? Well, here's what, what I believe. that We are obviously judging that person's actions against, get this, our own merit. We believe that they are good enough to pass judgment on another person, but they accuse God, who is holy, of condemning people to this foreboding place called hell. It was once stated many times by many different people, please write on anything but hell was stated by bloggers in cyberspace who claim to be Christians responding to those who are sounding the warning about hell. They write these words. This makes Christians look like we serve a God filled with anger and wrath. So what the modern day church has had a tendency to do is back up and just totally ignore this particular subject. Now, I just, you know, got to be truthful with you. When you're a preacher and you're coming to a subject or a passage like this, when you're talking about the reality of a place called hell, guess what? You kind of you feel like, man, I don't want to deliver the bad. How many of you love delivering bad news? You run inside and say, guess what? Guess what? It's awesome. Somebody's got two flat tires in the parking lot. You're going to have a blast getting that taken care of. I mean, we just, we don't enjoy it. That's why we ask questions like this. Well... Do you want the bad news first or the good news? Yeah, because we, we don't mind delivering good news, but delivering the bad news is not always fun and easy. As a matter of fact, it really, really is never fun and easy. People want to ignore this, even the church, and how tragic that is. But listen, we love people enough to share all of the Word of God, the whole counsel. And that's what love really is. When you boil it down, it's, it's loving people enough to tell them the good things and the tough things, right? The bad and the, and, the, and, the, and the good. You've got to be willing to tell the truth and, as the Bible says, tell the truth in love. The Bible clearly states of those who do not believe what it says, these words, pay attention. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 5, if you want to write that down. That Satan has blinded their eyes and muted their hearing. In other words, people who, who do not believe in God and his truth, uh, he is truth, his word is truth, then their hearts have been blinded, their eyes, and their hearing is muted. Meanwhile, these non-believers brag and make light of the fact that they look forward to going to hell where they're going to enjoy their works of evil without the righteousness of God hovering over. They're going to party like they've never partied before. Man, they're going to be there with the best of the best of the best sinners, right? You ever heard any nonsense like that? People bragging about, yeah, I can't wait to bust hell wide up. You've told me that for years, man. I'm ready to go. That's where I want to be. Anything goes. It's going to be a never-ending party. <laughs> We're going to escape God and all this religious and, and holiness and righteousness stuff that you guys are always talking about. But surprise, surprise. <laughs> because God says in his word in Psalm 139, 7 and 8. These are the words of David. Where can I run? Where can I go from your spirit? 
Where can I flee from your presence? David said, if I go into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed, where? In hell. <laughs> Get this. Behold, you are there. You're like, man, that's kind of mind-blowing. Yes, it is. But God is God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He created everything. The heavens and the earth and all that's in them, all that's under them, all that's around them. Everything in this universe, everything in the world, everything that we don't even know about, God created. And God is there. He's everywhere. So we cannot escape the righteousness of God. It is also true that God in his mercy and grace, get this church, wants to impart his righteousness through salvation to every single person of humanity. His word even tells us God would that none would be what? Lost. That none would perish, but that how many would be saved? All would be saved. How many would be saved over here right side? All. What about you middle? All. What about you left side? All. What about you on the fringes? There you go, fringe. Way to be there for us. Yet there are those who refuse. Absolutely, totally, completely refuse the most important gift ever given salvation through Jesus Christ. So why do people want to close their eyes to the idea of hell when the world is talking and blogging and writing about this literal place that intrigues and inflames such passion? Hell is not an idea a figment of the imagination or the setting for any horror movie. It is the hideous reality that awaits those who refuse to let God come into their lives and make them new creations through Christ Jesus, filled with his forgiveness and love. That is what hell is. No matter who all wants to deny it or ignore it or reason it away, Scripture tells us it is a reality, period. So how about the next time, get this, the next time you attend a funeral just like I, I ministered at one this week. You take a look at the faces of the people there, especially those that you may know to be unbelievers. And here's what I ask you to do. Look closely into the eyes of those standing around, maybe the casket or the urn. And here's what you're going to see. You're going to see questions. Questions like this. I mean, you're not going to hear them, them audibly, but you're going to be able to read the, the faces and read the room. And those questions are, are going to be something along these lines. Wonder where they're at right now. Questions like, listen to me, church, what actually happens after we draw our last breath here on this earth and, and pass through that doorway we call death? More questions like, is there a literal heaven and a literal hell? Those will be the questions that are swirling in everybody's minds. And fortunately, God's word has all the answers. And I don't care how much education you may have or how many degrees hang on your wall in the office. A face-to-face -face confrontation with the awesome reality of death will make even the most carnally-minded person stop and think, what's next? And if you're taking notes, write that down. What's next? However, the problem is that people who don't know or respect the authority of God's word have no basis for finding answers to these most weighty questions about eternity. They're left grasping at baseless theories and empty myths. Folks, the truth about heaven and hell, get this, is such a powerful thing and it will liberate you completely. Because the Bible tells us in John 8, 31, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? 
make you free. So when we know the truth about what lies beyond, guess what? We can live in the most freedom that there is on this planet that we dwell on. Knowing who God is, knowing what his eternal plans are, knowing where our future destination is going to be, will bring freedom and liberation to our lives. However, merely acknowledging the existence of heaven and hell is not nearly enough. To be truly set free, we must capture, listen to me church, capture the reality of heaven and hell in our hearts. And once we do, it will change the way we live our lives every day. It will change what we say. It will change how we say it. It will change what motivates us, what drives us. It will literally change the way that we think. That we see every single person as a person who is, get this, just passing through here on this planet. And has an appointment with eternity. That they are going to end up somewhere forever and ever and ever. It will change the way we see people. It'll change the way we operate. It'll change the way we think. When we encounter people, it will change the way we have conversations. If we truly get a hold of what this is all about. Why do you think Jesus lived the life he lived while he was here on this planet as a person? Driven by not what's going on in today's social media, not what's going on in today's newspapers, not what's going on in the hot topic of of, of the moment. None of that stuff mattered to him. He said, you can go play those games all you want. I am about the Father's business. And that business is to seek and save the lost, to make sure that people know that there is, as the old preachers used to say, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and that one day they're going to have an appointment with their destiny and their eternity. It'll change us to the core. Now, I'm convinced that very few believers have ever really grasped the reality of heaven If they had, they wouldn't act the way they do. Listen, you can't be heaven-minded and full of lust or unforgiveness. We can't be heaven-minded and be a gossiper and a liar and a cheater. There's no doubt about it. You need a revelation of heaven, and you can't get a true revelation of heaven without also seeing the awful reality of the hell that we're talking about this morning. So again, where do we turn to learn the truth about what happens after death? Can we turn to the scientist? (laughs) And they can't even get it right on a virus. I mean, really? Honestly? I mean, let's let's just come to terms with that. And they'll be the first to admit they don't have a clue. The the news media? How about that? (laughs) No, most of them are just fake news, right? The government? (laughs) They're they're no help either. As a matter of fact, I've come to the conclusion, that's easy for me to say, in my 54 years of living that the government does more harm than they do help you. I know some of you are heartbroken to hear that. But the truth is the truth. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a painful truth. There's only one source of spiritual truth in the universe. John identifies this in his, his first book, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. He opens it up this way. In the beginning, beginning, beginning. Can you just hear that echo? I just like to do this kind of things in my mind. In the beginning, he says, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And I love this. And the Word was God. God, you are the Word. The Word is you. I mean, that is amazing to think about. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not, was not anything made that was made. All of this is made by him. 
Before anything else existed, there was the Word. The Word was with God and was God from the very beginning. I've had people ask me, how do I connect with God? How do I contact? How do I interact with Him? And I, I love to tell them, make contact with His Word and you are contacting God Himself. Bury yourself. Get to know Him through the pages of His Word. And His Holy Spirit will bring it all alive. The verse above tells us nothing was made apart from the word. That means all matter is derived from the living, active word of God. It's truer and purer than anything you can see, touch, or hear. And that's why God's word is the source of all truth, including truth about heaven and hell. It's difficult for many educated people to accept. Our modern system of education conditions us to accept only that which can be observed with our physical senses, right? But that's totally contrary to what we call faith. And the Bible clearly says that without faith, it is what? What? You're saying what? It's impossible to do what? Please God that faith is a necessity. It is a must if we are going to walk in relationship with him. We've got to put our faith and our trust and all of our confidence in him completely. And not trust the science necessarily in that way. It's a source of all truth. You may be thinking, well, my professors never talked about eternity. Surely if there's a real heaven and a real hell, I would have learned about it in college. Listen, don't make the mistake of assuming that every important thing there is to know is being transmitted through our schools and educational system as we know full well today. That is not the case. If we base our life on what we learn through a humanistic system of education, we are going to reject the most important knowledge any man or woman could ever learn. Tragically, our educational institutions have neglected the most crucial knowledge of all, the knowledge that can only be derived from an all-knowing God and His powerful life-giving Word. As a matter of fact, most have become enemies of God, doing all they can to dismiss Him completely. Our kids grow up. We try to raise them in church. Most of us have. Hopefully, some of us have. And, and these last few days that, that have went on these last number of years, that's diminished more and more to where hardly anybody wants to take their family and their kids to church anymore. But those of us who did and have through the years have experienced something when they go off to college, the ones that do, and not college isn't for everybody, that they get into these, these educational systems that are ungodly and these professors, that their number one agenda is not to educate your, your students, on the things they'll know to, uh, need to know to, to get out and do life and, and have a good career, but to dismantle the faith system in God that many have tried to instill into their children to the point that they hate God and have become enemy number one to try to destroy everything of God in this country that we live in. What a tragedy! that's happened over the last 20-some, 30-some years. And what have we as the church done about it? Not much of nothing, really. This is why intelligent people, many of them struggle to accept this. Those who are not born again get very uncomfortable at funerals. Because again, in spite of all their degrees and education and learning and understanding, nothing in their education has prepared them to think about what happens after a person dies. And, and I'm not against higher education. Please hear me out this morning. 
I think it's wise for us to learn and to grow, to develop our, our minds and our understanding. But here's the basis of it all. Our higher education needs to be rooted and grounded in our higher education. Right? The creator of all that is. We need to learn at his feet and we need to learn and grow in him. And, and if you think about it, religion isn't much help either. Religious people go to a funeral, shrug their shoulders and say, well, hopefully they were good enough to get into heaven. I mean, that sounds very pious, but it's not really biblical. It's empty religious talk that Jesus called out over and over again in his time here on earth. It's designed to bring a, a sense of peace to people, but it's not really any kind of true peace at all. It's the kind of peace that the world gives that John describes in John 14, 27. Our society as a whole is willing to sell, accept religion's view of life and death, but it has rejected the true knowledge of heaven and hell revealed in God's word just as it has rejected the truth of man's need for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, bottom line. Let's, let's just call it the, the mind blinder. Because in the Bible, God clearly states, my people perish for a lack of what? Knowledge, understanding. Now, he's, he's not talking about the kind of knowledge you get again in college. It's a lack of biblical knowledge that will kill you. Even worse, neglecting the truth that can be found in God's word may result in your spending eternity in hell and not in heaven. And that's exactly what Satan has in mind because in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it tells us that the God of this world, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine up unto them. In other words, Satan is doing all he can to blind us to the truth of who God is and all that he brings to our lives. Listen, folks. The devil is out to destroy everyone he can. And the way that he does that is by keeping you from the truth of the gospel. He knows that if he can accomplish that, you are finished, you are done, you have no hope. So how does Satan blind a person's mind? He has, he has many tools at his disposal, but I just want to point out two in particular really quickly that are especially effective. Number one, so many are blinded by human reason. Satan loves to use human knowledge and education to blind the minds of people to the truth about heaven and, and hell. It's one of his most common and effective methods. In other words, he gets you thinking about all these other possibilities, all these other theories, all these other, other viewpoints and systems and everything else to the point that it can confuse and, and cause you to question truth. So many have fallen for it. So many have bitten the apple. So many have went hook, line, and sinker. And they bought into everything that he will place before them, calling it good, when in reality it's poison, it's death. Earthly reason and intellect are absolutely useless when it comes to comprehending the things of God. In fact, they are often a hindrance. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, but God has chosen the what? The foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Which things also we speak, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says, Not in the words which man's wisdom we teach, but with the Holy Ghost teaching, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, if you're going to connect with God, you need to know the truth of God through the power of the Holy Spirit of God himself, teaching you, imparting that to you, showing you what that truth is, and opening up your life to who he is and all that he has for you. And the carnally-minded person cannot grab that. They run from it. 
They laugh at it. They ridicule it. They scorn it. You people are crazy. You holy rollers over there. You people all getting all hopped up on, on this book that's thousands of years old. I can't believe you still even look at that. Sound familiar? They don't understand. Minds have been blinded. This is why statistics indicate the vast majority of people who get born again today are children. You don't know why we love children's ministry. You don't know why we love student ministry. Listen, get your kids to church. Teach it in your homes. Impart that into your children. Raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord as God has so forth called us to do. And I'm running out of time to tell people this. I realize that, and I believe we're running out of time to hear this message. But yet we as a church and we as a society continue to play games about all this when this is nothing to be played with. This is truth. This is eternal. This is God. This is heaven. This is hell. These are the things of life that matter, and yet we tend to still play games with all of it. God help us. God forgive us. God change us to our very course. This is going to draw some people to the throne of God, and this is going to run some people off. But I don't care. This is my assignment. Because guess what? One day, I don't stand before you, and I don't stand before my mama or my daddy. I stand before the holy God of all creation, and I've got to give an account for what I've done with what he's entrusted into my hands as a minister of the gospel. So I'd rather disappoint you then disappoint him. I can't afford to. The devil's out to blind to the truth. We need to speak this to children. Adults, so many adults have had their minds blinded by education, human reasoning, old wives' tales, and all this other mess that's out there swirling. It's amazing that people will believe anything over the word of God in this day and time. It just sickens me. Let God be true and every man a liar, the word says. That's what it's all about. Knowing him and knowing that he is truth. The highly educated have a real tough time with this. Why do you think there's been such a, a move to remove all traces of God and his word from our public school system? Huh? Because Satan wants to blind you. He wants to blind you with what you learn in elementary school, high school, middle school, and college. He wants to blind us. The second thing that, that seems to blind people so often is, is they are blinded by emotion. Another a frequent mind blinder that sends many people to hell is, is emotional religion. Now, now go with me here. Remember the word says that God's people because of a lack uh, perish because of a lack of what? Knowledge, not a lack of emotion. Yet many people attend church where there's plenty of shouting and jumping up and down and, and, and yet precious little Bible teaching and truth going on. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. I'm about as emotional as they come. If you don't believe that, then come to church with me and go to a ball game with me. You'll find out. I mean, I get fired up easy. I will laugh and I will shout and I will cheer and I will yell and I'll get upset and I'll be sad and I'll cry. I'll do all those things because I'm a very emotional person. And I'm glad because God creates us with those emotions. However, emotion away from truth is nothing but fluff and is not going to change a life or change an eternity. 
We can't get all hopped up on Sunday. You never know anybody like that, man. They'll be shouting, dancing, running the aisles, cutting cartwheels, doing all that stuff. But they live like hell Monday through Saturday. The Bible says you can't have bitter water and sweet water coming out of the same fountain. You can't serve God. And man, you've got to choose who you're going to serve. And you've got to be solid in who you are serving based on the truth of God's word. And who he is. And what he's called us to. I'm telling you church. Emotion is great and I love it. But we've got to have the word of God. Sound teaching. Powerful truth established in our lives, growing in that truth. Uh, That's what it's all about. So many people think that if you don't feel it, it's not real. Let me tell you something this morning. You chase your feelings, you're going to be in trouble before you know it. Because you cannot trust feelings. Because I guarantee you about half this room, if not more, your eyes popped open when that alarm went off this morning and your first thought and feeling was, man, this bed feels good. I think I'm just going to stay in it today and just pray for them. For, I might turn my, 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 my live stream on and, and follow along with them while I doze in and out. But man, this bed feels good. Oh, P. Rob, understand? I've had a long week, man. The kids have been driving me crazy. Work's going out of control. I'm just, I'm worn to the bone. I'm tired. I'm frazzled. Man, this bed feels good. Well, I want you to know my bed felt good this morning too at 530. And I started thinking about, man, this bed feels good. But all of a sudden, something rose up in me and said, you better get your butt out of this bed and you better get yourself down to the church house and be with your church family and get in my truth and let my truth get in you. So I said, feelings, you get behind me in Jesus' name. I'm going to go on faith and I'm getting myself to the church house. Mm, 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 mm. Your feelings will lead you right to hell. Mine will too if I go with them. I'm not talking about just missing church. I'm talking about all the things that Satan wants you to feel good with that he offers on a silver platter day after day. That's why the Bible says you got to fight the good fight of faith. You got to stand strong against your adversary, the devil you got to know that you know that you know that you are called for a higher purpose than the meddle with the things of this world. you got to do everything you can to resist Satan and stand in God and own his truth. And rise up and be victorious in the name of Jesus over everything that's coming at you to destroy your life. Whether it's comfort, pleasure, power, whatever it is that Satan wants to bring your way. You start feeling, oh, I'd like that. Oh, that would be great. Oh, this, that. No, 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 no. Filter everything through the Holy Spirit. Filter everything through the truth of God's word. Make sure that it's God himself that is calling and leading and speaking to you and directing your life whichever way you are to go. Do not go on your feelings. I could go all day on that, but I will not. The reality is we cannot be blinded to the truth of God and his word. Especially where it concerns matters as important as our eternal destinies. 
don't perish because of a lack of knowledge of these things. In the next few moments, you're going to discover some truths that will literally revolutionize your life as we walk through them. But be warned, once you've heard them, you are responsible for them in your own heart and life. We're going to finish today by looking at the reality of hell. Three quick facts I want to give you. Like, man, it's hell. Are you going to be quick about it? Like I said, I'll go as long as you want to go. With the first one being this, hell is a real place. And one of the most vivid descriptions of hell that we're going to find in Scripture came from the mouth of Jesus himself. And we find it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. Jesus tells this account, not a fable, not a parable, but this account. He said, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell off the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died. Now, the story that Jesus is relating, again, here is not made up. It's not a, not a parable, not a, not a fable. This isn't a story he just made up to illustrate a point. Jesus said there was a certain rich man referring to a real event that happened to real people. Jesus knew these things. By his unlimited knowledge. The Bible says at the moment the beggar died, many people would contend his existence was over. After death, nothingness, annihilation. But notice what Jesus says. And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Child of God, listen to me. The first thing you're going to see when you die as a person who loves Jesus Christ is angels coming to escort you to heaven. Don't you love that? When we know the way somewhere, when we're familiar with a place, we don't need anybody to escort us or lead us or guide us or take us by the hand and drag us there. No, we know how to get there. We've never been to heaven before. And I love that the Word of God tells us this little description that, that when, when Lazarus died, an angel came and said, Come on, son. I'm taking you home. Don't you just love that? I don't know about you, but it does something deep down inside of me that one day, one day if, if Jesus tarries long enough and I draw my final breath here, my angels are going to come and they're going to say, Come on, son. It's time to go home. And I'm going to show you the way. Mm. I really thought a few more people would get more excited about that. Wow, I love it. Going home. But there's the other side of the story. The sad, heartbreaking, tragic side that Jesus shows us in the fate of the rich man. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Could, could you just write that down? I am tormented in this flame. And the reason I want you to write that down, I just want us to remember that everyone's fate hangs in the balance that we will ever make eye contact with and meet in life. They're either going to have angels coming to <laughs> escort them home. 
You ever seen these pictures of, of the president or a dignitary coming to town and, and they had this massive escort and all these, these important vehicles are just, just lined up in front of them, behind them, and their vehicles all, all arrayed with all these flags or whatever special markings and, and they're escorting them to the destination that they're they are arriving at. And man, I can see angels just coming to get us, but yet I can also see this. Tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember, that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and you are tormented and beside all this between us and you there is this great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from here to you cannot and neither can you pass to us and, and that would, would come from, from there and then he said I pray therefore father that, that, that you would send him to my father's house for I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. Now first he's asking for relief. He's saying, please let him come and just put a, a drop of water on my tongue. When Abraham says we can't do that, then he asks next, would you send him to my family so that he can plead with them? Do not come here. Whatever you do, if you have to sell your bed, make sure you don't come here. And Abraham says, no, we can't do that. It's a place of torment. It's not going to be a party. Not going to be Slayer down there. Yeah, baby, bring the alcohol. There's none of that. And, 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 and here's, here's why Abraham says what he says about sending him to his family. He goes on and says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Today's vernacular would be you have Connections Church, you have City Church, you have all these great churches around. You have church after church after church. You have Bible teachers and preachers all on your TV sets and all on your, your radios and everywhere you want to pull it up online and everything else. You have preachers and teachers teaching and preaching the Word of God. This is the way to heaven. Walk ye in it. Come find salvation in Jesus Christ alone. You have it all around you. And that's exactly what he's saying. He's got Moses, you've got the prophets, you've got every spiritual leader who is available today that has written down God's word, that are preaching God's word right now. And here's what he tragically tells them. If they will not listen to them, they are not going to listen to somebody who comes back from the dead. In your mind, in your finite mind, you think, that, you think that'll be the convincing thing that, that if this guy comes back from the dead and says, hey, your brother sends a message, but that won't do it. We're either going to embrace truth that we have now or we are going to reject truth that we have now. And I've sat across people, across tables with people, eye to eye, in coffee shops and say, Pastor, i got to meet with you. i got some stuff going on in my life. I, I, need, I need some help. And I've sat down across the table with them. And I've looked them in the eye and I've pleaded with them. Guess what? Here's what God has to say on the subject. Here is his standard. Here's what he will do. He will bless your life. He will give you everything that you need. He will turn this tragedy around. If you will walk in his ways and embrace the truth of his word and his ways, then your life is going to be dramatically transformed. And I've had those same people look back at me and say, I can't give this up. I can't leave this person that I've become attached to. I can't quit this drug. I can't walk away from this relationship. 
And that's why Abraham, or excuse me, yes, that's why Abraham says, they've got Moses, they've got prophets, they've got preachers, they've got teachers. Your family hears the word. That's not the problem. The problem is they are not embracing the truth and accepting it and letting it change their lives. I'm going to stop right here this morning and we're going to pray and I'm just going to say this. We have the truth. We have the word. We have everything we need to live holy lives in Jesus Christ, truly transformed. But what are we doing with it? If you would close your eyes with me for just a moment, this is, you know, every time you hear, speak, talk about something like this, is always the temptation and, and, and the, the sense as, as a pastor, as a preacher to think, well, you know, people are going to be scared. I don't want anybody to be scared, and yet I want everybody to be scared. I don't want you to do anything out of, out of a fearful heart. I would never want anybody to do it. Here's what I have always gravitated towards. I want to go to heaven because Jesus Christ is there and his love for me is matchless in the entire universe. And if he's there, that's where I want to be. It's driven out of love. It's, it's moved me out of love, not out of fear. And that's my prayer for every person. Is that God would move our hearts out of love. to him to fall at his feet the, the song we sang a little earlier I've never been more loved than I am right now what, what a beautiful truth that is because God's love is always it's consistent it never changes he loved us enough and this is what always blows my little finite mind enough to give us a choice of what we will do with this life, this precious gift that he's given us. Will we trust him with it? Will we embrace him and his way and his truth and his freedom and his love? Or reject and go our own way? I have two things on my heart to pray about this morning for folks. Number one is if you're in this room and you've you've been doing things your own way and your eyes and your heart's open to the reality of how much Jesus loves you and that you're falling in love with him right now and you want to surrender everything you are to him, would you just raise your hands across this room if anybody says, Pastor, pray for me this morning. I I love Jesus and I want to love him with all my life and surrender everything I am to him. Would you just let me know this morning so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, yes. Now you may be in here and you might be saying, you know what? He, he's right. I, I've been playing games with the most important thing there is in life. And that is my faith my testimony, my witness, my allegiance. And God, I repent today. Change my heart to the core. Change my life to the core. I'm not playing anymore. 
could you, could you just lift your hand and say, pray for me this morning, Pastor? I, I sense that in my life, and I acknowledge that, and I repent of that. Can I see your hands? Yes. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you. I want us to all stand up right now, whether you raised your hand or not. There's several that did for both of these areas of ministry. There may be something else going on in your heart, in your life. We pray for that today, even though we didn't name it, but God knows you know. And I want to pray, and we're going to sing this song with everything that we've got. Then we're going to walk out of here, change people. And we're going to try to get as many people as we can to come with us next week as we conclude this message on I believe in heaven and hell. Father, thank you for loving us beyond far more, unbelievably more, than anyone or anything else ever will. Thank you for making a way to live in relationship with you through Jesus Christ's sacrifice at Calvary's cross and resurrection on that third glorious day. God, I pray for every person in this room, every person watching right now, listening right now, that you are going out with your Holy Spirit both inside this place and outside of it and you are reaching into hearts and lives and you are changing us to our core. God, that we no longer will play games and, and, and waffle back and forth with, with who we are and what we are. God, we are yours. And God, we embrace that fully. And I pray for anybody who said yes to Jesus Christ in their hearts and lives because of the great love that you have for us, the great sacrificial love, the, the, the love that never ends. God, I pray that right now you come in, you invade their hearts and lives, and they will never be the same because of your salvation coming home to their lives. God, we have so much to look forward to when we see you face to face, when we get home. And Lord, that's our prayer. We want, to, we want to go home when our time comes. And we want to take as many people with us as we can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen and amen.